Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be together with you. Thank you. And we welcome as well those of you joining us online or listening to this audio. It's great to be together in this Palm Sunday. Amen. It's the beginning of Holy Week. It's a very significant week in the Christian calendar as we remember that last week in the life of Jesus when he entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday. And then, of course, all the events that took place that week, culminating next Sunday in his resurrection, when we will gather again to celebrate that. And so just keep in mind, this coming week on Thursday evening, 6 April at 7 p.m., we'll be meeting here and online as well to remember the Last Supper. It will be a time of, of fellowship, of worship, and remembering some of the things that happened that night. We'll take part in communion as well. And enjoy a time of fellowship. So join us on Thursday evening. And then, of course, on Sunday, the 9th of April, next Sunday, we get in together to celebrate resurrection. His resurrection. Okay? It's, the, I think, the highlight. It's what makes Christianity different from any other religion. Because our leader is alive. He's not dead somewhere. He is alive. Amen? And we celebrate that. Our message this morning is, who is he? Who is he? And our scripture for this Palm Sunday is Matthew 21, verses 9 to 11. Matthew 21, 9 to 11. It says, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna. Notice that word. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, which means these guys were shouting and making this commotion on his way to Jerusalem before he got to the gates. And then as he got into Jerusalem, as he had come into Jerusalem, all the city, notice the word, all the city was moved, okay? Notice that word moved. I'm coming back to it just now. All the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is he? Who's this guy? Why all this commotion? What's going on? Who is he? And so the multitudes, those that were with Jesus, the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet, okay? From Nazareth. Now you, you must remember in the people's mind in those days, and, and, and once somebody challenged Jesus, says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, Nazareth wasn't a big city. It was some little village somewhere in the Bundus, you know. And, and so he was a prophet from Nazareth. All right. Nazareth of Galilee. Now, you, you, know, you know the story. It's a familiar story of Jesus entering Jerusalem. I'm, I'm sure that all of you joining us, all of you here, you are familiar with the story. As Jesus approaches, uh, you know, Jerusalem, he's on the Mount of Olives. And so he calls for a donkey. He climbs on a donkey and, and, and off he goes. And people started putting clothes and branches and palm leaves on the road and, and started this commotion, shouting. Now, of course, as Jesus was doing this, he was fulfilling prophecy because in Ezekiel says that the Messiah will enter Jerusalem sitting on a donkey, riding on a donkey. And so for many people, they began to, 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 to connect the dots. And, and so the message today is really going to focus on that question in verse 10. You're familiar with the story, so I'm going to focus on that question in verse 10, which says, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? 
Who is this Jesus? And that's the title of the message today. Who is he? Who is he? And we're going to spend a little bit of time trying to figure out and, and look at what people have said about Jesus. Notice that he says, all the city was moved. Now, it's interesting to note that that word moved in your translation actually is a Greek word, seo, which means to shake, to agitate, to cause, to tremble. It is the same word that is used later on in the crucifixion when it says that when Jesus died, there was a quake, the earth shook. There was an earthquake, remember? And even the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and there was an earthquake. Oh, they use the same word, shake, which means that this commotion, this entering of Jerusalem was no minor disturbance. No, it was to the level of a commotion which was noted in the city. It caused a stir, much like a major protest or demonstration nowadays. Everybody gets to know about it and, and the cameras are there and everybody's tweeting about it. That was the kind of commotion which Jesus caused as he entered Jerusalem. And people were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the language they used was actually borrowed from Psalms. It was actually a very familiar phrase, phrase amongst the Jewish people. At certain festivities, they would use it. Every time they were thinking ahead at the coming of Messiah, they would repeat this psalm. It comes from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. Look at it says. It says, save now. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Save now. Is that word save now? Save now. In Hebrew, save now is hoshia na. <laughs> Sound familiar? Hoshia na. The New Testament puts us hosanna, hoshana, hosanna. Okay, so it's a, it's a transliteration of a Hebrew word. Hosanna is a transliteration of, a, of two Hebrew words, which means save now. Save us now, O oh Lord. They were crying out. Uh, through most of their history, Israel has been under oppression of some land or another. They got out of Egypt, but because they would not follow the Lord, they, were, they kept constantly being oppressed by the people. By the time Jesus comes along, they are being oppressed by the Romans. And so when, when Jesus comes in, many of them saw, hey, this is the Messiah. And, and for them, Messiah means he's going to liberate us from the oppressor. So save us now, Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Ho save us now. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the Messiah, the Savior, who's coming to save us now. Do you see what's going on? And so when they saw Jesus coming, they pictured salvation, liberation, liberation. That son of David is also a messianic term because it was promised that the future king, you know, the, the one who's going to sit on the throne of David is going to be on the lineage of David. So it's called the son of David. And so the shouting of the people that were coming with Jesus <laughs> was really a call for their Messiah to save them. And that is why the Roman soldiers were so alert and so on point because of this. That's why every Passover, the Romans sent more soldiers to Jerusalem. 
That's why Herod himself came to Jerusalem over the Passover because they knew these Jew boys, they want liberation. They're going to cause a stir. And Passover, which is a reminder of the liberation of Egypt, is a good time to cause some commotion and try to get rid of the oppression of the Romans. And so that's why all the soldiers were there and, and, and Herod was there and everybody else to make sure that nothing happens. Of course, it caused a stir to the religious leaders because these religious leaders, they've got this agreement with the Romans that they will leave them in peace. They're under the Romans, but the Romans will allow them to carry on with the temple services and the religious activities. They've got this kind of, this, this kind of standoff between the religious leaders and, and Romans and the, the religious leaders don't need somebody coming and stirring the people up. And here comes this crowd now. Save us, Lord. Here's the Messiah. He's coming to save us. And you understand that it was more than a spiritual thing. There was a political undertone in what is happening over here. That's why the guys were in, in uproar. So who is he? Who is Jesus? Who was Jesus to those who came in with him? Well, judging by what they were proclaiming and by what I've just explained to you, those that came with Jesus, to them, he was potentially, <laughs> potentially, the Messiah who was coming to liberate him. And I say potentially because some of them had not made up their minds yet about who Jesus was. They had heard about him. Some of them had observed some of, being at some of his teachings, maybe seen some of his miracles. And they were hoping that with all this power and all this influence, he could do something. But they had not made up their mind yet. And that is why a number of them, not all of them, but some of them that were shouting, Hosanna! On Sunday, by Friday, they were shouting what? Crucify him, yeah. Crucify him. <laughs> they turned against him. You know what? It still happens today. It's still, <laughs> 2,000 years later, you still find this pattern happening. People come into the church and they shout, hallelujah, and they expect Christ to solve all their problems, heal all their diseases, and answer all their prayers. Hallelujah. And when it doesn't happen, they get disappointed. And they turn their backs on Jesus and the church and they walk away. Huh? Just like then, there are people today who do not understand that Jesus came primarily to reconcile man to God. Right now, his kingdom is inside us. It's a spiritual kingdom. When Jesus returns, then his physical kingdom will be manifest. Jesus will rule the earth from Jerusalem. There will be peace. There will be justice. Amen? When he returns, it will be a, a manifested, a, a, a seen, an external, global, political kingdom on earth. And I say political because Jesus will physically reign over the nations of the earth. Every single nation will be under the rule of Jesus. Yay. <laughs> it's going to happen, guys. And so as the multitude entered the city that day with Jesus and caused the havoc... People started asking one another, what is going on? And who is this man that's entering the city? Who is this? They asked, who is he? Now, who was Jesus to the people who were in Jerusalem that weekend? And I must understand, this is now Passover weekend. Many Jews that we did that weekend, that come from all over the known world at that time. 
Because the Jews already dispersed. I mean, the Old Testament, Israel had been divided, had been dispersed all over the place. So they were coming from Europe and from Asia and from the east and from the north and from northern Africa. They were there from all over the place. They came congregating in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Not all of them that came there that weekend were familiar with Jesus. Now, it was not the first time that Jesus was in Jerusalem at a Passover, but for many of them, they were not familiar with him. And so to some people in Jerusalem that day, Jesus was an unknown person. And that's why they asked, now who's this guy? Who is he? Now, to the priests and the leaders, religious leaders, <laughs> Jesus was a religious and political troublemaker because of what I explained to you as well. That kind of stand off the head with the Romans, that kind of understanding. And in fact, as you read the chapter further, you'll find that they were highly displeased with this parade for Jesus. They were indignant, it says in verse 15. And by the end of the chapter, they were looking for ways to arrest him. <laughs> Later in the week, they were looking for ways to kill him. All right? That's how disturbing this was to the religious leaders. Again, <laughs> guys, still today. Do you know that it's still happening? Still today. There are people who are not familiar with Jesus and with whom he is. There are people that, Jesus, now who's Jesus? I, I've heard about him. It's amazing. There are people today in big modern cities who still don't know who Jesus is. Also, still today, there are religious and political leaders, as well as many ordinary people, who are angered by the teachings of Jesus, who are angered by the person of Jesus, what he stands for. Some are hostile to his followers. In some nations, to be a follower of Jesus is a potential death sentence hanging over you. Not much has changed, has it? All these Palm Sundays later, today, as you celebrate Palm Sunday, some of our brothers and sisters in some parts of the world cannot have an open meeting like this. They're doing it quietly. They're hiding somewhere. They're out in the forest somewhere or locked up in some flat quietly celebrating Palm Sunday. What is interesting is to hear the reply given by those in the, in the multitude with Jesus when they were asked who Jesus is. And here's the answer in verse 11. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, was he a prophet from Nazareth? Yes, he was. But is that all that he was? See, that's, what, that's the question, you see. They answered, he's a prophet from Galilee. Now, it is true. But it's not the whole truth. Because Jesus is more than just a prophet from Nazareth. So it seems that even among those who followed Jesus, many thought that he was just another prophet. And you must remember, many prophets had come to Jerusalem. And many of those prophets who came to Jerusalem, what happened? They were killed. It happens in the Old Testament. You can read about some of those stories. Jesus himself mentioned, yeah, you guys killed the people that are sent to you, the prophets. In some of his parables, he, he brings that up, that God sends people to speak to them, and then they kill the prophets. So was Jesus just one more prophet that's coming to Jerusalem and eventually going to be, you know, discarded and killed? 
Is he just a prophet? Now, in chapter 16, Matthew records an interesting conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Let's read that. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 17. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Now, he began this conversation. He started this. He says, guys, who do men say that I am? Who do they think me, the son of man? Who do they say that I am? And he often used this, this phrase, son of man. And it's an interesting expression because when he says son of man, it doesn't mean just a mere mortal. Okay, he means someone with an anointing, someone with a specific mission. Who do they say me, a man with a specific mission? Who do they say that I am? And so they said, well, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so he says to them, but who do you say that I am? That's what they say. Now, you guys, come on, you, you've been with me all these years. You've been traveling with me. You've been listening to me, watching me, eating with me, walking with me. Who do you guys say that I am? And Simon Peter, always the big mouth, always the one to, to step in first, always the, you know, the one to, to do things quickly. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter had received a revelation of who Jesus is. Not only had been watching and listening, but he went further. And because he was observing, because he was open, because he was seeking, he got the revelation. God gave him the revelation. And God will give that revelation to anyone who is seeking, who is watching. What's the Bible say? Seek and you shall find. Ask and shall be given to you. Knock and those shall be opened. You seek spiritual truth and God's going to give it to you. And so when Jesus asked the disciples who, uh, who they thought he was, Peter quickly answered. But you see, most people out there, they just thought that Jesus was just a man walking in the anointing of one of the ancient prophets. You know, one of the ancient prophets, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of those guys, just walking in an anointing, in an ancient anointing. But when he asked the disciples, Peter quickly said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus commended Peter for that answer. You're right. You got it, man. You got it. Many people surrounded Jesus and came to him for healing. And they enjoyed his teaching. And they enjoyed the food that he supplied too, you know. Sometimes. Free food. <laughs> But they were so caught up in their religious traditions and thinking that they could not accept who Jesus really was. They did not allow God to reveal to them who he was. How can this be the Messiah? He's just like one of us, you know. Remember when Jesus went back to his own town, Nazareth? Not even many miracles he could do there. Because, I mean, he walks into town, hey, Jesu, <laughs> buddy, how are you doing? Remember how we played in school? And, 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 man, listen, thanks for that table you made. You know, that table is still strong. That chair, man, not even cracked. It was good quality chair, Jesus. Too familiar. How can this guy that we know, man, we played together. We played soccer together, man. We, you know, we, we played TV games together. We grew up together, man. How can you come now saying that you are the son of God? I know you, man. <laughs> And, and too much familiarity can cause us, and listen, it happens today between us. 
If you're not careful, our familiarity with one another can cause us to lose sight of God's grace in one another's lives. Because God is still pouring his gift on us. Remember, we dealt with that last month. We are all gifted. God has given us gifts. But if I only see you for the buddy, for the friend, for the guy that I know, and I know you're good and you're bad, I know the good side, the bad side, I know your fault, I know you stay. And if I'm too familiar, if we become too familiar, we can allow ourselves to miss out on the grace of God on each other. Just by the way. This is not part of the sermon, but I think it fits here. Okay? So let's be aware of this. Just like they were too familiar with Jesus and could not see who he really was, we can be too familiar with one another and not really see God's grace in one another's lives. And so that's what happened. But Peter saw it. And so many people had their own opinion about Jesus. And you know what? This has been true for the past 2,000 years. Just because people read about Jesus, they think they know everything about him. Just because some people don't believe in Jesus, they think they can say anything they want about him. Other people have pondered, have analyzed, and they've had a greater insight into who Jesus is. So, what do people say Jesus is? Who is he? I want to share with you a couple of, you know, a couple of things that some well-known people have said about Jesus, okay? And... Um, I just want you to listen, okay, and kind of make up your own mind to what some people have said. Let's start with Albert Einstein, the scientist and mathematician, the guy with the wild hair. You know that guy? All right. And he said, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phrase mongers, however artful. He further added, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such a life. The seers and other heroes of his type lack the authentic vitality of Jesus. Hmm. Note what he says. No myth is filled with such a life. So to Einstein, Jesus was not a myth. Like some people think he is. Some people say, no, there's no historical Jesus. Jesus doesn't exist. To Einstein, this brainy guy, he says, just reading the Gospels, man, it's not a myth. Oh, what about John Lennon from the Beatles? He said the following, Christianity will go. <laughs> it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue with that. I'm right and I will be proved right. We, the Beatles, we're more popular than Jesus now. And I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. The Beatles are gone. John is gone. What about Jesus and Christianity? Alive and well. <laughs> what about a guy called General Law, Lew, Lew Wallace? You guys might know him by the name. How many of you have seen the form or read the book Ben-Hur? Beautiful story about, yeah, it's a powerful story, powerful, yeah. Anyway, this guy was a military man, but he was also a, a writer, and he wrote many Christian novels. And he says, and this guy used to be an atheist. He was an atheist. 
and in his search to prove atheism and to prove that Jesus was a myth, he got converted. He says, after six years given to the impartial investigation of Christianity as to its truth or falsity, I have come to the deliberate conclusion that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of the Jews, the Savior of the world, and my own personal Redeemer. Hmm. What about Elvis Presley? The king. Remember the king, Elvis? The king is in the building. <laughs> he said, I am not the king. Jesus Christ is the king. I'm just an entertainer. <laughs> Napoleon. You know Napoleon? The, the short little guy, you know, that was an emperor. He did, you know, mighty things in French Revolution and so forth. And this is what Napoleon says. I know men and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Huh? Harry G. Bosch is a more contemporary guy. He's the author of Our Daily Bread. He was a, a, a writer and a theologian. He says the following, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40, and Jesus for only three. Yet, the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who were among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures, yet some of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Leonardo da Vinci received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music. Still, Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, and Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the hymns, symphonies, and oratorios they composed in his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. Mm. And of course, you can do a bit of a search and you can read so much more of what, you know, famous and infamous people have said about Jesus. But that's what people say. What did Jesus say about himself? Just a quick one. And, and, and all of these, yeah, they all come from, from the book of John. And these are some things that Jesus said about himself. In chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world in chapter 8. He said, I am the door in chapter 10. Also in chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. He says in chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Man, what are these things sounding like to you? What, what sort of person boldly says things like this about themselves? Huh? Chapter 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice, it doesn't say I am a way, a truth, a life. He, he defines, he, he confines everything into himself. There's no other. I am the truth, 
the way, the life. Chapter 15, I am the vine. Vine which gives life to the branches, right? Chapter 315 says, he is the one who gives eternal life. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. 1010, he says, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly, abundant life. So that's what Jesus said about himself. But you know, the, the question really today, who is he? The question today that really matters is the same question that Jesus asked his followers, his disciples. Who do you say that I am? And I'm talking to you, every one of you here in the building right now. I'm talking to every one of you that have joined us online. Every one of you listening to this message. Who do you say that I am? In other words, who is he to you? It does not really matter what the crowds said that day. It does not matter what people have said about Jesus over the, over the past 2,000 years. Whether they exalted him or, you know, just broke him down and ignored him. It does not matter what people have said about Jesus. Because what people say does not change who Jesus is. But you see, our personal answer to this question determines the destiny of our lives. The eternal destiny of our lives not just here in this planet who we think he is determines how we relate to him and so as we enter this holy week this week known as holy week let us be aware of this question let this question echo in our thinking as we enter all the Events of this week and of the coming weekend. Let us be aware that there may be people in our cities. There may be people around you. At your place of work, at your place of play, in your family. There may be people that relate to you who truly don't really know who Jesus is. They may have heard about Jesus in school. They may have you know, seen churches and so on. But maybe they've never stopped to really figure out who is he. And maybe you may have an opportunity to share with them who do you think Jesus is. And that's why who you think he is matters. Because if somebody comes to you and says, hey, who is he? Well, what's this East all about? Well, what's Jesus all about? What are you going to say? May this week be a week of reflection for us as followers of Jesus as we remember his passion. It is so easy for us to get disturbed, distracted, disappointed. We live in a broken world you know, and things that happen to us sometimes can challenge our faith. But like the crowds... And the multitudes on that week, who in the beginning of the week were shouting, Hosanna, and by Friday were shouting, crucify him. Let us guard our hearts and understand that in this world, we will have disappointments. In this life, in this present life, not all our prayers will be heard. Not all our desires will be fulfilled. But who is Jesus to you? A magic wand to remove all the, you know, 
problems that you've got in your life. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. I don't care how good you are, how faithful a follower you are. You will have tribulation, disappointment. So who is Jesus to you? Is he your friend, your savior, your Lord? The one that you're holding on to, not just for this life, but for eternity. The one that keeps on giving you motivation and strength to face the challenges you have to face. To face the disappointments, to face the, the, the losses, to face whatever it is that's coming your way. To be able to lift your head up and say, I can do this. I can face this. I can get through this. And I'm living for the long term. I'm living for eternity. I'm holding on to Jesus, not just for this life, but for eternity. May it be a week of reflection. And I pray that like Peter, we may all have a clear conviction and revelation in our hearts that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the son of the living God, that Jesus is the savior of the world, but above all, that Jesus is my savior, amen? My best friend. May this be our personal declaration of Jesus. Who is he to you? Let's close in prayer. Let's stand in, please, as we close in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come to another Palm Sunday and another Holy Week, I pray, Lord, that this will be a time of renewed revelation of who you are. That in spite of the challenges and turmoils of the world, in spite of all the ideas and, and philosophies, <laughs> That we may have a clear understanding, a clear revelation from God about who you are, Lord Jesus. So that the failures of Christians and, 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 and disappointments with the systems of the world will not depart us from your faith, from our faith in you. Will not distract us, but will keep us. Focused onto you, Lord. You'll hold on to you, Lord, no matter what is going on around us. For you are the Christ, the anointed one, the Savior, the Messiah, our Lord, and our King. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here, those of us, those that have joined us online, those listening, Lord God, that this will be a week of intimacy with you, Lord. Draw us closer to you, Lord. As we've been worshiping you this morning, Lord God, let that be the cry of our hearts. When we say Hosanna, when we say hallelujah, that we know what we are talking about. We understand, we have that revelation. Let it be so, Father, for each one of us. And so I pray that the love of God the Father the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will remain with each one of us, continuing to give us a deeper understanding of who he is, who Jesus is. Amen and amen. Praise God. Have a blessed Sunday, a blessed Holy Week, and see you on Thursday night at 7. God bless you. Amen.